If you're enjoying the show so far, please consider helping by supporting our show. Although never expected, any support for our show enables us to keep bringing the audiobook club to your ears. Hello and welcome to the Audiobook Club. In this week's episode, we are so lucky to be joined by the fantastic audiobook narrator and voice actor, Andre Santana. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. How are you today? Thank you for having me. I'm doing pretty good today. How are you? I'm doing okay. Thank you. You know, out of all of the guests, you're the first person to ever ask how I am. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Just casually throwing shade there at everyone who's ever been on before. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, lovely stuff. Uh, Thank you so much for for being with us today. Um, I'd really like to start um, at the beginning, really. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about your background, how you found yourself uh, in this mad world of audiobooks and voiceover? Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's been a roundabout journey. I actually went to college for uh, psychology and biology um, and then was like working in higher education afterwards, but ultimately end up in uh, New York City. That's where I am now. Um, But back in 2020, um, you know, March hit and actually a lot of my teammates, we were inundated with work. It was going to be our busy season anyways. So I'm sitting at home every day doing nothing but, you know, waking up, getting to my couch, opening the laptop, sitting there for eight hours, going back to bed, right? But when May rolled around um, June, we were suddenly freed up on time, and I had just finished an audiobook binge. I had started, like, the October before, just listening to audiobooks nonstop. Um, so many of my, you know, favorite narrators I, like, met in that period, right? Like Bonnie Turpin and Emily Wu Zeller and just listening to to some really great stories. And I can't remember what the exact, like, flip to listening to audiobooks to, like, oh, could I record one myself was. But I just remember doing the research, you know, rolling up on ACX. That's where I, I started. Um, and I remember I bought my first, like, setup which was like an SM58 microphone and I got like a little desk um, and I, I started uh, auditioning um, and got my first book that June. So it was it was a pretty quick turnaround in for terms of like, you know, wanting to yeah. start and then getting that first book. But that was that was kind of the origin story. Wow, that's super interesting. So I, I know you said that you, you can't really remember kind of the direct sort of path, uh, the mental path, um, uh, transitioning from sort of being a fan and enjoying audiobooks uh, as a listener to recording. But do you think while listening to and binging through all of these, um, you know, great narrators and great stories, do you think that sort of rubbed off on you uh, subconsciously and you just, you know, you're kind of thinking, well, I, I kind of want a piece of this action. How do I get, you know, how do yeah. I become a part of that world? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think a lot of people. Uh, I'm, I'm on. I'm on Reddit groups now for voice acting, and I think a lot of people get that comment where they're, you know, people say, "Oh, I really like your voice. You should be a voice actor or whatever." Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think I'd heard part of that enough before. Um, and I also have backgrounds in um, public speaking, in spoken word poetry, um, a lot of components there that I think just made that transition feel more natural for me. Yeah, but. Yeah, yeah. So how did, have you always sort of been interested in performing then on some level, you know, through, because of public speaking, especially spoken poetry, it's all, it's all performance, isn't it? You're all putting, always putting on this front. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't know that I would have had the language to say so at the time, but I think so. Um, I did, you know, my, my first play was like an elementary school. I was, John's the one with the top hat, right? And Peter Pan. Um, <laughs> so I was John. Um, but when I was in college too, there was actually... I didn't take a lot of um, theater courses in college, but there was one course that I took my f- uh, first year in college where 
Um, it was a directing course, and the mm -hmm. students who were learning how to direct had actors come into the class so they could direct a scene with them. And so I came in as an, uh, as an actor to that class and did a scene with someone. Um, and something about that stuck with me for a while. Um, my junior or senior year, there was actually this event series that we did where we brought in a bunch of short plays um, surrounding um, like race identity and put those on as a performance. And so I participated in that too. So there was kind of this like trail of um, performance related experiences yeah. um, that I'd been through before. Um, but, but like I said, I don't know that I would have had the language to say like, oh, this is the thing I'm looking for and want to do. Yeah, I get that completely. Wow, that's super fascinating. When you, so you went and auditioned, you got a, um, you got your sort of first audiobook title. What was that experience like coming, you know, getting into this world from, you know, for, almost from scratch, really. Yeah, yeah. It was funny. Um, my very first audition on ACX, I remember right as the pandemic started, the um, that new Animal Crossing game came out oh, from right. Nintendo. Yeah. Um, and so my very first audition was for a manual on, like, how to play Animal Crossing, um, which I did not get. And, you know, years later, I went back through my auditions, found that it was delisted because it was a scam on ACX, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, and then my second audition was for this um, Christian military fantasy novel, which, you know, they asked for a Southern accent. I had never done any kind of training or coaching before, especially not in dialects, uh, or I should say in accents. Um, did what I could, threw it in there. And then I remember a f three to four weeks after I did the audition, they hadn't like gotten back to me, but they hadn't selected anyone either. So I emailed and was like, hey, are you, you know, still thinking about this? What are... No one responded. And then they just sent me the offer. Right. Um, so that was a little surprising. And I freaked out a little bit because I was like, well, now I have to figure out how to actually yeah. <laughs> do a Southern accent. Um, but it was so, so they gave me a lot of time to do it. They gave me six months to do the project. Yeah. Um, and I had um, one of my friend's mom's has a southern accent and so i sent her like my audition and then she told me oh here's the words that you said wrong here's the the twang that you can put in there um and i really appreciated that um and then i also the author is um it's set like i think near mississippi but the author is from mississippi and so i listened to a podcast interview he did and tried to structure his uh his kind of accent because he has he had also been through the military so he'd had a lot of yeah. his accent diminished from there right. um but it yeah so it was just an interesting process a lot of fun i ended up recording a lot of it kind of a, a, at the tail end of those six months and didn't realize how much work editing was um yeah. had to do that as well um but it was it was a journey it was an interesting journey for sure what do you think it was about audiobooks that, that drew you back into to you know taking this on so you, you went through this first experience you're learning everything you know you're getting out there and auditioning things what do you think it was it is about the actual job that sort of brings you back for more yeah it's funny because after I did that first job I didn't do I did a handful of auditions but yeah. there wasn't anything in me that was saying like make this a career or like <laughs> you know do do yeah. this a ton it was actually um not until I'd say I, I turned it in September. It wasn't, you know, approved until it wasn't out on ACX until January because this was before ACX had their like promise on quick to, uh, turnarounds. Yeah. But in February, 
I got this email from someone, uh, you know, uh, uh, ACX message. Someone had this children's book about a pirate and they had a Portuguese translation. I'm Brazilian. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were like, oh, can you narrate this Portuguese translation for me? It took the entire process took less than an hour, right, to record and master. And something about that, it wasn't it wasn't like, you know, it was exquisitely well-written material or I felt like deeply satisfied as an actor or anything like that. But yeah. something about that experience just said to me, like, maybe there's something else here that I haven't like fully looked at yet. And between February and April last year, I just dove in. Um, I, you know, started joining voiceover communities. Um, I started auditioning more. Um, I started expanding outside of audiobooks to think a little bit about animation and video games and other genres. And at the, like I said at the time, I, I didn't get my first coaching experience until I think end of June or early August, sometime in the summer. It was just fun. It was just satisfying to like dive in and become these other people and kind of have full control over how these stories get told. And I think that particularly when I got my third book, I think just realizing that other people were putting trust in my storytelling, even if I didn't know what I was doing, (laughs) just was, I think, a really like satisfying, satisfying feeling um, that I wanted to pursue more. Yeah, I get that completely. I, I agree as well. I felt very, very similar um, myself. You mentioned coaching there. Was this the Audio Publishers Association mentor program? Is it's that, one is of the that... things that I did, but I did a lot of different okay. coaching. Yeah, for I was, sure. I was um, gonna. I had. I jotted that. that uh, jotted that down because I wanted to chat to you a little bit about it. Would you be able to yeah. sort of tell us a little bit about that program and your experience, and, and perhaps a little introduction for those who may not have heard of it before? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So the Audio Publishers Association has a mentorship that I believe is specifically aimed at helping like underrepresented voices in audiobooks get mentorship to move forward in their career. Um, So it's, ooh, I think it's a three-month cycle that they repeat throughout the course of the year. So you apply, you get paired with a mentor, um, and they, um, because it's aimed at underrepresented voices, they ask about what kind of pairing you want, right? Mm -hmm. Some people want to be matched with a narrator who shares their identity in some way so that they can see how other people, you know, like them are kind of faring in the industry. Some people specifically want a different perspective. So they ask about those kinds of things and pair people together. And um, from there, you get to spend three months, you and your mentor um, decide, you know, the frequency of your meetings, but you're moving through various paces. Um, They're going over, you know, everything from your narration to your website to your career plans, just really helping you build a framework. Um, And I think each mentor kind of does it differently. And then there's also this component where they um, invite people in and kind of have, um, you know, might introduce you to another narrator, might introduce you to someone on the publisher side of things, just to kind of get you some other perspectives as well. Um, But I was paired up with a wonderful narrator out of um, Paris named Hope Newhouse, who was just a phenomenal influence and was so helpful um, and so, and we're, you know, still in touch today. And so I'm really grateful for that experience. That sounds so great. Just to be able to, cause it's often such a, or it can be such a solitary occupation, you know, in the, you know, yeah. hours in the booth or, um, the only sort of communication with many people is, you know, maybe a zoom meeting if you're lucky, but if not, it's just email. So being able to chat and, and, and network and things, it must be such a, a great thing to get into. 
Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So I'd love to talk about your recording process. Would you be able to walk us through, you know, the typical in steps involved with producing an audiobook at your studio? Yeah, yeah. Um, most of the work that I've done lately has been with publishers, and mm -hmm. so the editing, mastering side has been offloaded, right? Um, but for the most part, um, you know, I will either get an audition or an offer. Um, I'll take a quick skim at the book, see if, like, the topic interests me, mm -hmm. and I will start with prep. Um, my prep has evolved a lot. Um, I used to, literally two books ago, uh, I would go through every single chapter and write down every person who spoke that chapter so that yeah. I would know as I begin a chapter, like, whose voices am I preparing. Um, I like to, I have, I have an Excel sheet. Um, I, I come from the corporate world right now. That's what my day job is in. And so I'm, I really love uh, taking advantage of Excel spreadsheets. But yeah. when I get a PDF of a manuscript, I convert it into a Word document, and then I pull the word count of every individual chapter and put it into this spreadsheet so that it calculates what percentage of the book I've completed at the end of every chapter for me. Right. And so I kind of have a sense of like what my, uh, for me, I go about 130 words per minute. So I have a sense of how long the project's going to be and how much I've done so far. Um, which is also even, you know, even when they, I've gone in studio for Penguin Random House and that's also been helpful there because then, you know, we get to the end of the day. I know what chapter we just finished and I know how much we're going to do the next day based off of, of the spreadsheet. So that's been really helpful. But That's a fantastic so, idea. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just yeah, getting the word out, you know. Um, so if you if you need spreadsheet help, I I know some I know some equations. Um, yeah, but that's so worth I its do... weight in gold, I think. But yeah, sorry, <laughs> carry on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I do the I do the prep, and I think for me, um, I'm I I really like diving into character voices and diving into um, really distinct characterizations, and so. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm like heavy. I'm sh I should say light skimming. I think I'm reading faster than I might read for pleasure. I'm trying not to like read it a lot like I might do it as I prep. Um, but really trying to get a sense of who the characters are, how I'm going to make them distinct, who's speaking in what spaces together so I know which voices not to make similar. Mm -hmm. And from there, um, you know, sending back questions to the author to the publisher whoever is my contact for that um and but be right before i start recording i just record like a little s uh, snippet of what mm -hmm. kind of i want character voices to be um just on my phone um nothing like binding deeply just you yeah. know a few references and from there i like to go chapter by chapter i don't necessarily do it by um even if some chapters are longer, I like to be able to sit down and say, here's the journey that I'm going to go on right now is yeah. this chapter. Yeah. Um, but pretty much I'll record there. And, I, you know, I think the last the last component for me is just figuring out when the recording happens because I still have a day job, like I said. So yeah. scheduling early mornings, late evenings, weekends, figuring out when it all happens. Yeah. Does, actually, you brought up two questions I do, I do want to ask you. So I'm going to ask you both of them at the same time, if that doesn't make <laughs> just to, just to make things it. a little fun. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, one of the um, what well, an issue for for many new narrators is uh, time management, especially working around a day job and, and etc. Have you a, sort of a, a, a tried and tested schedule when it comes to fitting everything in? Does it depend on the project? Um, could you sort of talk us through a, a sort of a typical sort of day in the life, I guess? Is the right question um and second to that 
do you have a specific process for creating character voices? Um, mm. Is there like any, you know, do you draw upon anything in, in uh, yeah. from life or stuff? Cool. Um, so I can't pretend to have mastered this. Uh, I'm <laughs> still in the throes of it every day. But um, for me, I, you know, I have a nine to five job. Um, and luckily it's flexible and it's not about being in a specific place from nine to five. It's about doing various tasks from nine to five. So I can, for example, you know, start, finish a recording late, uh, you know, in the early morning and go up until like nine thirty or something. And then I know that I can just move that 30 minutes to the end of the day and finish Mm -hmm. whatever work I need to do there. But basically I have a few different things that I do. One is there is a calendar um, right outside my booth that has um, every month, uh, each day has a block with a line through the middle. And on the top block, it's marked for prep. And on the bottom block, it's marked for recording. And so I mark for each month what projects are happening. And I'll be able to note, you know, here's the here's the four days it's going to take me to prep this book. And then here's the four days it'll take me to record that same book. Um And those move around, but it kind of just gives me a sense of, like, what projects are actively going. Mm -hmm. And then, similarly, I have a bookmark folder for each active project with the link to the Excel sheet that I mentioned in each and then any other Mm -hmm. materials that might be relevant. But um, really, the thing that helps me the most that I don't do enough is day-by-day, hour-by-hour scheduling. Literally saying, you know, because I have estimates of how long a chapter is going to take me. Um, so I literally say tomorrow, you know, tomorrow's Thursday. I want to record 1.75 hours tomorrow. Here's the chapters that I'm going to record. I know how long they are. I'm going to assume a three to one ratio and I'm going to schedule like this, like this, like this, build in those 15 minute breaks in between. Great. Now I'm going to work for the day. Here's my schedule for the day. We're transitioning, you know, at dinner, put it in there. So just really laying it out minute by minute is the most effective thing for me. And if I overwork myself too much, it's going to be exhausting, right? Yeah, to try and pull like 10 hour days every day. So, yeah, that's yeah. That, to be honest, it sounds like you've got a You've got, you got a lot uh, better handle on it than uh, than I have. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mirage. <laughs> um, and then character voices. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. A lot of a lot of different influences on character voices. Um, I've done um, coaching with some really great folks. Um, That's been really helpful. But my biggest foundation came from Joel Frumpkin's audiobook class. And that was, I think, the number one impact on like how I think about characters. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I won't I won't give away Joel's secrets or anything. But (laughs) but really, I think just the, the underpinning for me is like, who is the character? What do they care about? Um, and I, I think if, if I didn't change my voice at all, um, meaning like, you know, used the same pitch for every single character, I think there would still be different pacing for each character. There right. would still be different, yeah. you know, moods and, and, t- uh, kind of tones in the way that they, they interact with each other. Um, and even, uh, you know, like beats and the spaces between their words. Um, and so, so I guess just trying to really feel like they're real and really feel like I can... I know exactly what they're trying to accomplish in the scene so that I can perform them. Um, But outside of that, like, especially with YA and middle grade, which I get a lot of with my like tenor voice, um, it's, it's just really fun to be able to like, 
you know, everyone everyone really loves the coming of age character and this like bright chipper voice or like getting um, I, I have a wide range. So I get to get to like do a lot of lower voices or go up into, you know, the detective and, and this like really wry thing that he does. Um, so just just like having a lot of fun with like finding yeah. where characters are um, and and really, like I said, letting letting them come to life, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Do you find that studying psychology benefits like you um benefits how you take a look at characters how you get into that mindset yeah i feel like psychology for me was like a lens through which i could practice empathy like understanding other people and yeah. so in that sense uh it definitely reinforced my ability to you know like i i just read a i just read a i just prepped a book um and finished it yesterday where the the he's the antagonist i'm i'm not going to cover it up he's the antagonist where the antagonist is just like an absolute prick just just <laughs> not a nice person and it does not the book actually does not have any kind of resolution where they say here's all the reasons that they did this thing right there's yeah. only one line near the end that alludes to any of that and to be able to like pull from that and say okay like let's go back and take this one line of justification and try and understand why he did all this terrible stuff i think that's a lot of fun um and i think that's kind of the core of like what what characters are is their their motivations you know yeah absolutely it's definitely one of the funnest parts um of the whole gig isn't it um, yeah. So very recently, uh, you've been part of some uh, full cast audiobooks, projects uh, such as Kiss and Tell, uh, A Night to Die For, Anybody Here Seen Frenchie. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the process of working with um, multiple narrators and, and how that might um, how that might sort of parallel to with solo books? Yeah, absolutely. Um, for one, um, it's very fun to do shorter projects um, for me, in part because they just kind of like get peppered into the schedule in different places, you know. Yeah. Um, but um, same same breakdown in terms of like getting the script. What's nice about full cast projects is that, unlike co narration, I will often get really specific instructions from the publisher about here's your pages, here's what you're reading, here's your lines. Um, especially with um, like Penguin Random House, because all their projects are directed, mm-hmm. um, and so you you know you come in and you you've got someone kind of guiding you through like oh you're not you don't have to read that you're not going to read that or this is how we're going to do this. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's there's a couple there's a couple components to it. One is that you might get to focus more specifically on one character, which is really cool. Um, a, a night to die for. I got to focus on one character. And there were a few chapters where it's all first person. You're really getting to dive into that character's perspective. And it feels more like um, like animation work or feels you know more like video game work. And um, uh, anybody here seen Frenchie was also really interesting because um, I played the chapters for the titular character Frenchie. Um, but it was also in third person. And so one of the notes that I got from the producer after I sent in my like 15 minute check mark was about creating this um, this kind of experience for Frenchie. The character is autistic and um, mostly nonverbal. And so they were saying that, you know, there's a lot of moments for that character where they are 
um, really overstimulated. And there are things that they're witnessing and experiencing that feel kind of chaotic and yeah. how to convey that in really soft like adjustments with pitch while narrating. Um, so there, there's kind of those like interesting little tidbits and pieces that because you're focusing on a specific character, you get that feedback from a director or a producer that you might not get from an overall all, all book or even a co-narration. Um, yeah. So that that's one of the really cool parts. Um, and then the last part is just being able to like know that a project is coming out that you haven't heard the majority of. I think that's I think that's the most fun part for sure. Um, yeah. Especially with um, with Kiss and Tell, that was a, a a big cast doing a really cool book um, with a really interesting format, first person narration with you know article interview interstitials and um, texts. You know people love doing texts and audiobooks yeah. now. So it's just like a very fun world that gets assembled. Um, and you know that, you know, you're going to basically experience the bulk of it with the rest of, of the readers and listeners. Yeah. A lot of our audience uh, on the Audiobook Club uh, are sort of new to narration or, you know, have only been narrating a few sort of titles and may not have had the chance to be directed um, mm. while uh, narrating, you know, while narrating a session or in, in a session. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about what's kind of expected of you as a narrator when being directed? What, how, how does that process work? Do they stop you often? Do they give you a pep talk before and let you go? Like, how does it um, how does it all work? Yeah, absolutely. So, like, different directors have really different approaches. Um, and I think it also depends on the project, to be honest, um, mm -hmm. in terms of, like, what their approach is going to be. Um, but I have had a, f a few different experiences. I've had some directors that really are just mostly proofing for you. Um, and so as you go, they'll stop you if you make an error. Um, you know, they'll be able to uh, kind of, like, slightly above that, they might say, oh, that sentence... Let's let's hear more of a question mark in that sentence, right? Could you just take that back for us again? Right. Yeah. Um, which is really which is really great, and I really appreciate that one because um, it keeps me focused, um, or rather rather when they're when they're kind of just really emphasizing the errors and really letting you take the reins in the performance. Um, it lets it it lets me kind of like stay in in place and in character and do all those things. And then similarly, um, there are, I've had other directors who really do like make performance requests of me. Um, I worked with Laura Kiswati recently on Cason um, Collender's Moonflower, which is coming out in July. And it was such a great experience because um, there's so there was so much like love and emotion packed into the characters. And I'm, you know, I'm going on a journey in the performance. And then she'd pause me and say, you know, I think that the way that you just read that character's line there, there, there might have been a little, there should, I think there could have been a little more warmth in that delivery. Or maybe there was actually this kind of, this is kind of the implication of that line. And she was giving me these really great directions that was, were pushing me to like think about how the character is actually showing up in the scene. Um, and so that was like, I think probably one of my, you know, more favorite like directing experiences thus far. Yeah. Um, and then I've also had experiences that kind of fall in the middle where it's a it's mostly proofing um, and they're still going to be, you know, um, the director's still going to ask like, ooh, like, uh, can we take that la the, the ending line of the chapter again? I want to hear a little bit more resolution. I want to hear, um, you know, uh, I think you actually um, fell out of the character voice when you just read that quote back there. Could you could you circle back and try that one more time? 
Um, yeah. So there's a lot of different like pieces to it, but I think what it means to to be um, like to take direction well, mm-hmm. I think that the most important part is for you to be fully to have a grasp of the book and to have an understanding of what kind of performance language relates to audiobooks. Because if someone says to me, you know, can I hear more of a question mark in that sentence? Like if you say that to someone on the street, they might not be, they might not fully understand what that means. Um, But it's about like, you know, having listened to enough audiobooks to know that like you can, you can uptick something in a question. Right. And, and what all those little directions mean. Um, And then when you get a director who really does give those um, kind of bigger performance um, directions, being able to, to, understand the language for one similarly, right? Like I mentioned, um, you know, Laura's directions around like warmth or thinking about the motivation of the character. Because if you understand that language, I think you can you can adjust the performance. Mm-hmm. And then when you when you have a really strong grasp of what's happening in the story and who the characters are, you can also connect with what they're trying to uncover. Like if I have, um, you know, if I have a villain in a book and I've just read a line in a really sinister way, and the director tells me, um, you know, I, I, can can you take that back? There was something that felt a little off about that. Can you take that back? Um, and there's no kind of specific in there. They just want to hear something different. I yeah. might go back and look at that line and say, oh, the villain feels bad about doing this, right? Like th- this line is actually delivered with like regret or a little bit of sorrow. And so I think just being able to like flip and explore different things with different characters is really valuable, even when you're self-directing, and yeah. it's going to make all the difference when you ha- when you're working with a director. Yeah, absolutely. I guess it opens up that perspective, doesn't it, and, and gives you a whole new view of um, of the character, it makes you sort of look at it from all angles. I guess. Yeah. Um, was it? Did you have to kind of adapt to stopping and 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 sort of addressing? pickups straight away as opposed to you know getting them back from an editor and then recording them in a separate session because you know you sort of get sort of leveled in and you're narrating and then you don't always obviously realize that you're making making errors that have to be picked up later what was that kind of did you have to adapt to that doing it yeah absolutely um like especially me when i was in uh like uh, i'd say i'd say like up to high school i was so afraid of inconveniencing people um like i wouldn't ask my teachers questions i was always afraid to like to to raise my hand or or do anything and so i think for me at first when someone stops you and they're like oh you've read this wrong it's like oh that's embarrassing like will i ever recover from this (laughs) um but it's i i think like you know and and i work i work my day job is in recruiting and i give the same advice to people who do interviews I think that you have to remember that everyone involved wants you to succeed. They're there to support you. Yeah. And so that was the mindset shift that I had to make was that when they pause you, you're doing everything else right, you know? Um, it's just about going back and making that correction. And we, we all get pickups. We all oh, get yeah, pickups, course, right? Yeah. And and so it's just, be- just because you have someone else there um, doesn't mean that you now have like a new standard of perfection because you're, you're in front of them. Um, so, so it it was, um, it was a little interesting. I I think this, um, the thing that you have to avoid is this kind of like tension in your shoulder that someone is looking right over at what you're doing and the fear that you might, you know, 
misspeak a word or mispronounce a word or something and that they're going to pause you and stop you, that's yeah. going to impact your performance probably more than they would just like pausing yeah. you to make sure you go back to do the pickup. I think it's definitely, there can be levels of anxiety there that need to be, you know, sort of sort of smoothed, I guess. But it, I guess it's all about experience as well, isn't it? And getting comfortable and feeling confident uh, and that confidence will grow uh, over time. Um, now, you serve uh, in two committees in the Professional Audiobook Narrators Association. Is that right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it is. Could you tell us a little bit about that? What What's serving in those types of committees? What, how does it, what does that involve? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so both of those have been a lot of fun. I am on the um, awards show committee and I'm in the DEI, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. Yeah. Um, and the awards show committee has been very cool to be on because it's a lot of people who are really excited to bring something like this um, to the the um, panic community. Mm-hmm. And we have, we are like working on our proposals and thinking about timelines. And I always love hearing people's perspectives on like the things that they want to see put into play um, when we bring kind of these awards programs out into yeah. the public. Um, and so that's been a lot of, that's been a lot of fun. And that's going to become, I think as soon as we finalize our proposal, that's going to become a lot of like execution and structure and logistics and, and nitty gritty stuff um, that I love diving into. Um, and I'm yeah. really excited to dive into. And the DEI committee has been a little bit more kind of like multi-tentacled, um, which has been really cool. So it's um, the chair is Deepti Gupta and she is just phenomenal. And so we are doing kind of a variety of things to really push forward, not just conversations about diversity, equity, inclusion, but also think about practical applications for PANA and for the audiobook community. Um, So, you know, we have Kurt Graves leading us in um, an initiative to kind of put together a panel style podcast. Nice. Um, and so we're, we're excited to, to launch something like that down the road. We have, um, I'm working with another narrator, um, Jennifer Aquino, to put together kind of workshops to help um, narrators with different components of their kind of professional profile. Um, we are just starting a, a couple new things around, you know, how do we think about DEI inside PANA too? And, you know, how are we equipping ourselves with the best techniques we can to, to foster positive spaces? Um, so there's a lot of like different components of the committee going on. Um, and it's, it's just really cool to, you know, like similar to the award show committee, be in a space where everyone's really excited about what we're doing and we're doing it in terms of action and not just in terms of conversation. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah that sounds really fascinating uh, and, and some really great work. How do we keep get? How do we keep updated with um, with everything that's going on there? Is there a website that we can go to? Is there a newsletter or something like that? Yeah. So I think that when you join Pana, there is a space um, on there. They have like a, a Wix backend where they make announcements. But similarly, I think their social media, their Instagram, their Twitter makes announcement as well. Um, mm-hmm. But on the on April twenty first at four p.m. Eastern time, Pana is doing a virtual launch, and so um, all I think paid up members are invited, and they're really going to talk about like. Well, we've spent a few months planning all these things. Here's what all our committees are doing and really just introduce the whole gamut of of everything that's been going on. Yeah. How does how does one go about serving on a committee? How, you know, uh, yeah, how does that whole work? Yeah. So I think that 
ooh, I don't want to throw her name in and then like inundate her. <laughs> I think Emily Ellett helps yeah. with connecting folks. Mm-hmm. But once for paid members, I think it's as easy as asking. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think it's it's really great. I think a lot of the questions that we get um, through from new narrators are all about community um, mm. and all about sort of, uh, you know, wanting to know where how to network, wanting to know where to network and things. Have you have any, any advice for narrators new in the field that don't really know where to look, that want to talk to like-minded people, that want to reach out to, you know, people who are doing similar things? Have you uh, Have you got any advice for them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am super privileged in this regard um, because in the fall I joined um, Elise Arsenault's The Great Audiobook Adventure, and it is a really big community of mostly new narrators who are going through this course together and Mm -hmm. establishing their careers and doing a lot of work alongside each other. And so just from that class, I've gotten to be in touch with so many people and make so many connections. Um, But also... That ties into, I think, a platform that a lot of a lot of narrators are going to say you should be on. Um, but yeah. Elise Arsenault um, built the great audiobook adventure out of uh, her her group, the Global Actor. And so every Friday, I think seven p.m. EST on Clubhouse, she um, creates this space. Narrators come through and just kind of give like updates how they're doing, mm-hmm. check in with each other, offer support. And that has been like one of the big staples for me. But Clubhouse overall also was really formative for me. Um, Going to Monday workouts with um, Jennifer Aquino um, in the narrator's workout and being able to listen to um, the Ahab talent team give sessions or like do readings and give live feedback. Um, I think Anna Clements um, does rooms there as well. There's just so many people in the audiobook community doing so many things on Clubhouse. And it's free and live and very easy to connect and talk with people from there. Um, but I mentioned earlier that I, you know, joined kind of a gamut of different communities yeah. on Facebook and on Twitter and different things like that. And that's that's just been that's just been the way to do it. You know, I think as as soon as you as soon as you just start type type in, you know, audiobook narrator or whatever it is into the, the search to the search bar, um, you're going to find a lot of people who are immediately there because they're everywhere. There's a discord. There's, uh, you know, there's going to be a Reddit forum. There's going to be this and that um, for people who are looking to connect. And there's so much information all over the place, so much information and so many wonderful people who are offering so much support. That's great. What I'll do is um, pop a few Facebook groups that I'm aware of as well um, into the show notes, just in case uh, anyone wants to check those out. Um, So as we approach uh, the end of this week's episode, uh, would you be able to tell us uh, some links to your socials and website? Where can where can people find you? Sure. Um, I am Andre on the mic um, pretty much everywhere. Um, And www.andre on the mic as well. Um, But yeah, I'm I'm all over the Internet. Great. I'll put I'll put some links as well to your website and things uh, in the show notes once again. Um, so we just have time for one more question. Um, mm. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, thank you so much for, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having um, me. To finish us off, is there any upcoming projects, anything approaching in the diary that you're excited about? Perhaps a, a project we, uh, that we can look forward to? Mm. Um, I think that I might be... Um, 
maybe a couple days early on this. Uh, they're usually they usually get the the metadata onto Audible within a week. Um, but I last week just had the pleasure of hearing from Macmillan um, that I'll be recording um, the Sunbearer Trials, which is um, Aidan Thomas's next book, and Aidan Thomas wrote uh, Cemetery Boys, which was a pretty big wow. YA novel yeah. recently. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that and about um, Moonflower that I mentioned earlier, which is Case and Colander of Felix Ever After and King and the Dragonflies. Um, so just a lot of like yeah. queer, you know, middle grade and YA books that I'm really looking forward to. That is so exciting. My gosh, you must update, you must keep us updated with how everything goes. Um, Absolutely. That, that's great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I really, uh, really appreciate it. It's just, I've had a blast talking to you. Um, thanks so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Audiobook Club. This episode was sponsored by Pro Audio Voices. If you have a story you want to bring to life, head over to ProAudioVoices.com to get in touch with industry professionals that can take care of every step of production, as well as offer support and guidance with marketing, growing your brand, and boosting your sales. Once again, that's ProAudioVoices.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.